I mean, a state agency is you're paid between 20 and 25,000 pounds to sit at your desk and do what your boss says. Oh, um, Wow. No. For instance, when I was at my big corporate, we were just meant to call our leads, yep. book in viewings, do deals. Mm, yep. If you stepped out of your box, it was like, nope, can't deal with it. What we have learned throughout our careers uh, is how to do all of it. When I'm on a pitch or evaluation or whatever you want to call it, a market yeah. appraisal, I say another thing is I am self-employed. I'm on. No, yeah. I'm not salaried by DDRE whatsoever. I'm not yep. on payroll. Yep. How are vendors taking to this model? Welcome to episode nine of the Three Entrepreneur Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about brokerage v. estate agency. Now, before, before we get started, sorry, almost forgot. Don't forget to pay the fee. Um, we have a fee. We don't run ads here. So if you get anything, if you learn anything, if you find it funny, please like, share, comment, rate it five stars. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the next podcast, please leave a comment on YouTube or on Instagram or on TikTok and we'll see it and we'll pick it up and we'll answer it on the next one. I'm still kind of getting over the last podcast. Jeez. The reaction that we've had has been yeah. pretty epic. Whew, I know. Wow. Yeah. So um, if you're watching or listening to this right now, we've just put something on social media about the previous podcast that we're recording now. The previous podcast of this, we posted something about that now. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> Tongue twister. Yeah. But yeah. by the time this airs, we would have posted yeah. a lot about it and it probably would yep. have aired, but it was epic. Oh, wow. God, the reaction's been unreal. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, I've got to watch this one. And hopefully unreal. now it'll be a snowball effect and uh, we'll just go on from here, get other yeah. amazing yeah. people on it. It was a good one, wasn't it? Oh, amazing. And if you are an amazing person, please DM us because we are looking for amazing people to come on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, right, with no further ado, who would like to answer the first question? Oh, to the floor, to the floor. Right. Sorry, handwriting's really... You know when you write something and you can't really read your own handwriting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is the difference between estate agency and brokerage? That's a very good question. So I go for, what, are, what don't I say what maybe what a brokerage is and you say what an estate agency sure. is, and we'll just like, we'll mix up from here. Um, so a brokerage. Uh, a brokerage effectively is um, an, a model which of held upon self-employed agents like ourselves um, who run their own business within a business. So hence we are the free entrepreneurs. We run our own business within DDRE Global. Um, I'm self-employed um, and I suppose I now deal with my own clients. Um, we'll get on to a little bit about why maybe DDRE are a bit different to others because we all work together a lot, but effectively I run my own business within a business. So I'm not a employed have to turn up nine to six uh, i'm not on a basic salary um i'm not on a set commission 10 15 20 percent um our brokerage model offers a, a much higher commission and i suppose that is one of the reasons why we can spend more time more money on marketing for our clients mm -hmm. um that kind of gives people a bit of a snapshot on a brokerage mm. uh self-employed to employed um that's 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 what we are. Benjamin. State agency, Benjamin. Yeah, state, I'm trying to pick my words carefully, <coughs> but I'm I'm leaning towards just giving a sassy, 
sassy I mean, estate agency is you're paid between 20 and 25,000 pounds to sit at your desk and do what your boss says. Oh, straight in. Um, wow. No, that's, <clears throat> look, estate agency, um, you're employed. So you're on a salary mm. uh, and you perhaps might get uh, a bonus or have to fight for a bonus come end of the year. Which is crazy considering you're in sales and you don't know what you're going to get paid. Um, you will probably, at one of the big corporates, will be set to a defiant. <laughs> you you should so yawn now. Yeah, but the camera will be on Benji. So you <laughs> <can see> <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I think he's now spoken about it. <laughs> Sorry. So we're boring you already. Two minutes <laughs> yeah. and I'm already boring him. This is when the um, viewers usually drop off. <laughs> yeah. with, with the estate agency and the corporate world, you will be set an office. Yeah. So you'll have a set patch and more often than not, you'll have a set price point. Yeah. So for example, you will go into a corporate company in an estate agency and you'll say, right, you work in St. John's Wood and you work between one to three million pounds. Mm. That's your job. Yeah. You kind of, you're relatively um, restrained in yeah. a way. Um, and that's probably the main difference. Um, as you touched on the salary, mm. the uh, self-employed, but also the the... I'd say lack of freedom to, mm. you know, go where your clients need you because ultimately, you know, some of the big corporates, they've got 30 offices in, in central in central London. So ultimately, why would they have one person running between all of them yeah. when they can just say, that's your patch, that's your patch, that's your patch, which yeah. we're starting to realize isn't perhaps the best way to, to work. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the crux of the difference between um, brokerage and estate agency, which, which is so. changing as we're seeing. What do you think, Al? Well, I was quite excited for this podcast because... Um, we come from different backgrounds and now we're all yeah. in brokerage together. Um, as you all know, I have worked in a big corporate as well. Like Benji has, would you call yours a big corporate or medium? Uh, How many had, offices did they have? We had four offices here okay. in London, yeah. but obviously part of 30, it was Berkshire, was part of like 33,000 brokers. So Worldwide. it was more of a, uh, a corporate structure, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Were you there when they were Care Co? No. Okay, fine. Where were you before that? Uh, I was outside of London uh, oh. and at more of um, a corporate out there, effectively. Okay. So I've had more of corporate training, certainly mm. with enough. my younger career. Yeah. Um, so we've yeah. all been in the corporate model then yeah. or Definitely. some sort of global company and now <clears> we're in brokerage. So I was quite excited for this. And prior to DDRE, I was part of a, a very brokerage type brokerage where they're like this is where our office is brokerage type brokerage yeah because we're not really in a brokerage type brokerage brokerage <laughs> the brokerage type brokerage i was in before can you define brokerage type brokerage, brokerage? yeah I am. just for the people listening i love the brokerage it. type brokerage i was in before as i was going to say before i was really interrupted was uh, like you know here's where our office is you pay us a desk fee of around 250 pounds a month mm -hmm. go go make money yeah um you don't have to come in we don't have to see you um they did have some training if you wanted to come it wasn't like um, what's the word when you have to do something? Compulsory. Compul it wasn't compulsory. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and, and now we're at DDRE. And I think it's been a bit different for me because I was here pre-brokerage, pre-desk fee, service fee, sorry. Um, and it felt more like we were, it's like a hybrid, I would say. Mm. And I think Daniel made, uh, painted a good picture of this on the whiteboard in the meeting a few weeks ago yeah he did two circles one was brokerage one was estate agency yeah and you know when two circles cross over mm -hmm. we're like that circle in the between the two yeah here mm. uh, because we are like a team but we're also a brokerage yeah so you can be like the lone wolf like one of our colleagues is for instance um which is absolutely fine if you choose to work like that you can that's the whole point of brokerage mm -hmm. you're flexible you're your own person 
but I think us three actually like to work together quite a lot, hence yep. the podcast and hence <coughs> a few listings we're working on. Yep. A house in Marlebone for six and a half million, a mm-hmm. uh, house in Mill Hill mm-hmm. for 4.6 million. Um, I mainly deal with the higher end stuff. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, we've done so. We've done loads yeah. of rentals, hired rentals yeah. in yeah. White Plate, Whitehall. We've done working loads. on Whitehall Place. It's, it's, it, you know, it's part of. I, I think you're spot on. It's the hybrid between. Um, you don't have to do what you're told. Yeah, we're yeah. not on a salary, so when you get a commission, mm-hmm. it's very fruitful. But we have. But a we still. work with each other because two yeah. voices are more powerful than one. Mm-hmm. We have different people in different uh, area of expertise in the business that are stronger in different neighbourhoods, yeah. in sales and rentals. You know, Daniel has handpicked us as a yeah. team. Mm. You know, there are people that excel in Holland Park, Notting Hill, Chelsea, Kensington, Belgravia. Marlebone, Hyde Park, yeah. St. John's Wood, Hampstead, Regent's Park, yeah. Little Venice. What do you, uh, you do? Highbury and Islington. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Highbury and Islington. Um, and that's what Arsenal is. So, but you know, it's, it, and that's I think you're right. Where we cross over, we have yeah. the yeah. A, the estate agency camaraderie, mm. but we have the brokerage mentality, and yeah. it's, it's and the There's so many recipe. benefits of it as well. Sure. That's just one of them. Massive. And we'll come onto it with some of your we other will questions. We will come onto it. Yeah, I'm sure that you've got planned. Yeah. Yes. Um, my next question <laughs> is. All right, I'm just going to come clean. Like, I forgot to write them down. <laughs> okay, they're not on the card. I'm looking at my iPhone. I mean, you might as well just put your phone on the table. <laughs> okay. That looks like you're doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> it's taking a turn. Yeah. Maybe I am. Okay, so why are so many of the top... Okay, so are many of the top agents leaving the big corporates and going into brokerage? And yep. if so, why? Why do you think that is? Yeah, well... Um, talking about you know top brokers, um, I left night practice. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's it's becoming um, a weekly thing, you know, hearing through the grapevine, wow. and then it you know becomes um, proven that you know this person's left, that person's left. You hear this person. That's left. like fifty two a year. Yeah, it's, and it's yeah, prob- it's you know easy. it's it's like you look. I think I I, I want to choose my cares my words carefully. There's choose a lot cares. of people that are happy with the salary that they're on, the uh, leads that they get from their businesses, and they're happy with uh, being comfortable. Mm. I think that's with any sector in life. There's people that are, Mm. they don't want to challenge themselves. They might not have the ambition that some other people do. Mm. And usually you find the people that have the ambition want more. And perhaps because they're good at what they do and they want to be rewarded at a big corporate, it's very difficult to be rewarded because Mm. there's people that sit at the top that perhaps don't do much, but they need to eat. And so often you find, you know, it's again, talking about the analogies and, and some of the diagrams that Daniel has drawn, you know, it's the kind of the pyramid that you have all the people at the bottom who are doing all the work, who bring all the fees in, and they see very little of, of the money. But then the, the managerial layers above where they're not bringing in as much money, yeah. they're the ones where all the money goes. You know, as a brokerage, and especially what we're doing at DDRE Global, we want to flip that triangle upside down. Yep. You know, so <clears> the people who are doing the work, who are bringing the fees in, get paid. Yep. And I think the good agents, the ones who are bringing in the big numbers, mm. want to get paid. Yep. And if they're not doing that in the estate agency world, in your corporate companies, they're leaving. Yep. And they're Should- going... Go on, Do you remember during lockdown, we were on Clubhouse quite a lot? Yeah, yeah. Clubhouse. Yeah. It was fiery. Super yeah. cool. Do you remember we used to speak about it a lot? Yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, again, I was, I was employed 
um, in a corporate company, so you had to yeah. be very careful with what you say. Yeah, you know, I remember at the time you were at Night Frank. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and you have to be careful. You have to, you know, there were people in those rooms who were listening mm, to what mm, you're saying. Yeah. But in answer to the question, yes, these people, there are a lot of the big hitters that have left, you know, over the last three, four years. They go, they set up by themselves, and they realize actually this works yeah. out. I remember though during lockdown on Clubhouse that you were quite um, set. You were, you seemed like you were for the employed agency model, the corporate. What what's changed for you? My question to you is, what changed? Because obviously at some point you my must have thought ca- my blinkers came off. Okay. In truth, like came a horse. To the light. I I am a very loyal person, and all I knew was Night Frank. Yeah. Mm. It's all I knew. Into you. Yeah. And and I and I actually was, um, you know, probably up until the last year of my time there, the biggest advocate you could find. Like no one could say a bad word about the business in front of me. Yeah. Every, like my nickname was Benji Knight Frank in my social crowds. I yeah. lived and breathed the brand. Yeah. But that meant nothing to them. I was just a number. Mm. And yeah. it got to a point where I thought, why do I care so much mm. about something that cares so little about me? Where's yeah. those tissues? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make this about me and, and, no, and everything. I had a great time <clears throat> there, but um people see the other side. So in answer yeah. to question, yes, I was on on, on um, Clubhouse massively supporting the whole mm. corporate stuff. And I remember, you know, having not arguments, but disagreements with you, yeah, with Daniel, which was great. It must have made yeah. great listening. But ultimately, yeah, I saw the other side. Yeah. But what um, happened though? Like, where, where, sorry, Oli, I'm going to ask you the same thing in a minute. But what, what happened? Like, what, what happened? Like, what were you watching TV? Were you watching football? And you're like, oh my God, like light bulb moment. I do should you, move. Do you know what it was? It was a gradual thing. It wasn't a light bulb moment. It got to the point where I started to resent what I was doing. Yeah. And I am so passionate. Why though? Why did you resent it? What happened? There wasn't a thing. There was a few things. Um, (laughs) There wasn't a thing. There were things that I disagreed with, you know, being able to roam freely around London, being pinpointed to a set price point, not getting paid what I wanted you know, being treated a certain way by certain managerial people above me, a number of things. And, but there was never a, a light bulb moment. It was a gradual thing that one thing after the other, after the other, just slowly, slowly ground me down <clears throat> and got to a point where I was like, I actually hate what I do. And I'm so passionate about my job and I love meeting people and I love selling real estate and I love talking about real estate. I can't stop talking about it. And that wasn't happening. Yeah. Mm. And I was like, why, why do I not want to go into my office? Like mm. I was for seven years, first in, last out yeah. for seven years. Like I would drive myself down into the ground because I was just so committed. Never had two work phones, always had one phone. I'd go on holiday. My missus hated it, always working, could never switch off. And it got to a point where I just, I didn't care. Talia, I'm not always on my phone, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you always talk about my fiance. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit weird. <laughs> I'm just saying. Ollie, uh, yep. so what happened with you? Like, why did you... Ollie, talk you... to me about your missus. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Alex I, think, um, I, I think the reason why a lot of agents are deciding to leave now is because people come back to people that they trust. And I think the biggest turning point for me was a couple of years ago where... It was a certain couple and I'd probably spent the prior three years going around to their house every quarter, giving them updates upon the market, beco- you know, becoming friends with these people, telling them when something else on the street had been sold, even if it was another agent. 
people, you know, not, not, you know, and, and building relationships with these people where then when they come to market and when they want to sell their house, they called me mm. because I'd put the, the hours and time into mm-hmm. them. I was the one who updated them on the market, told them the route to market, when they should do it, what they should do inside their property to, to, to increase the value, was honest to them throughout the whole time. And so then when you bring that property to the market, you do all the viewings, you source the buy, you get them a great price, you see it through to completion, and then you see your pay in comparison, you know, in comparison to maybe what the agency that you're working for has received. Mm-hmm. You're like, do you know what? If I, they came to me, not who was a bra, you know, above my, who was above the office, you know, the, the branding well, above the, the office. The brand doesn't sell it. No, you sell it. Hundred percent. But wait a minute, that's an interesting point. We bumped into somebody today. We won't say who. Mm. Lovely guy. Yeah. We were having yeah. lunch, um, <clears throat> and he works in a big corporate company. Won't say who again. And he just did a million pounds. Is it so far this year? Yeah, and fees. Yeah, don't say too much because yeah. people don't will be able to yeah, piece yeah. together who yeah, it might yeah. be. But yeah, in a very short period of time, he's okay. done a lot of... And we're now in August. We're in August. Yeah, we're in August. Coming to mid, middle of August. And he said, um, well, one of you said, well, if you're in a brokerage, you would have earned £700,000 potentially or £400,000 yeah. depending on where you are yeah. in your commission structure. And he then said, well, I don't know, is it me or is it the brand? Who knows? But there's, there's a big point to this because... I honestly believe a brokerage isn't for everyone. Okay? I agree. And it depends upon where you are in your career, how confident you are as an individual, the skill set you have as an individual, and how we've all learned from each other. We're constantly growing. Because as a broker, when it's your business, you have to go and f- prospect, mm-hmm. find the business. You've got to go and sell it. You've got to do the marketing. You've got to do the... Um, the negotiation, you've got to do the sales progression, you've got to see the aftercare. You've got to have a multitude of skills. Mm-hmm. At a corporate company, as Benji alluded to earlier, you deal within a set period, you know, a set mile radius. Okay. You might be in a core marketplace, a prime marketplace, a super prime marketplace. You might be the person that goes and wins, does does the valuations. You might be the negotiator who just negotiates. You might be the person just a sales progression. You might be just the person who is aimed to do 400 calls a day to previous clients. Now, that's good. And you can be an expert in your field. Now, as soon as you then get put into something else and you're set day one and you've not got 50 listings on the marketplace and you've got to go and find the stock, you've got to go and value it, you've got to win the business, you've got to advise them correctly, you've got to sit down with the marketing, you've got to do the viewings, you've got to do the... There is only a, a, a small amount of people, I believe, that can actually do everything. Mm. okay and if you haven't had that experience across all of those marketplaces and all of those fields within real estate and you jump too quick or even the best people at the game i mean look there's a lot of talk out there with a few businesses that we know of brokerages at the moment who are targeting certain agents who build good money like the guy we met earlier okay i'm not and this isn't t- directed towards that guy but he might be an amazing negotiator mm. but when it comes to maybe prospecting or winning business or the other end of sales progression or something like that, I don't know how it works in his office, he might fall flat. Now it's like a bucket. If you've not got your bucket, really you've got a hole. Point. If you've got a hole in your bucket somewhere, you're leaking water. You're never going to have a full bucket. True. Whereas I think that what we have learned throughout our careers uh, is how to do all of it. Correct. But do, it's really, 
you've like wow like amazing what you've just said yeah like amazing and it's you know I've never looked at it that way yeah that how much we need to do and how much is we're relied upon yeah yeah, yeah. but then where I think the reason that is why there'll be so many people perhaps that can't do that mm. no one's trained yeah. no but they don't want you to be trained they don't want you to because, because well that too and they also they just want you to stick to your job they don't want you to op- look if my previous managers I'm not picking on anybody that I previously worked yeah. for but just, it's just it's just human nature you know if you had someone working for you and you were a manager and you teach your subordinate too much they're gonna they might potentially surpass you or that's your mentality that's your yeah, thinking such a bad mentality mm. very bad mentality so bad it's not growth mentality yeah yeah, yeah. um I want to just say two things on what you just said. Yep. Number one, and that's a really that's a great point. Yep. Like Benji said, wow, you've hit the nail on the head there because you go from doing one thing. For instance, when I was at my big corporate, a company called CBRE, Covent Garden, <laughs> actually the biggest com- property company in the world, way bigger than Knight Frank. Just saying, uh, for the record and for the followers, um, we um, were lettings negotiators. Mm-hmm. In Covent Garden, Soho, Fitzrovia, Holborn, <clears throat> around there. And we were just meant to call our leads, yep. book in viewings, do deals. Mm-hmm. Book in viewings, do viewings, do the deal. Call leads, book viewing, blah, 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 over and over again and over and over mm-hmm. again, like a machine. And yep. that was it. Yep. If you stepped out of your box or if you got an instruction or a landlord in another area, it was like, nope, can't deal with it. Give it to the other office. Yeah, That's it. When you go into brokerage, and you're running your own book or whatever you want to call it, you're self-employed, whatever. You've got to make sure you have time to call your leads, but then also call your vendors and landlords to make sure you keep on getting instructions. Keep in touch with those people. Yep. Keep in touch with your leads as well. Yep. Look at marketing, arrange photos, arrange floor plans, mm-hmm. whatever else you've got to do. Send out memos, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to speak to your accountant, make sure... Your tax is paid on time. Make sure you keep enough money for VAT. Mm. Make sure you have enough money to pay for photos for when you get your next instruction. Mm. X, Y, Z. Um, you guys are luckier than I am, I think, because you come here and we don't have to pay for photos and floor plans and videos. It's covered in our service fee. But before I had to do that, in addition to a service fee, I'm not sure if everybody knows what that means, but maybe we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. The second thing I'd like to say is that there is a company who's just been bought and they're a very big name, very good name. I don't know if, can we say the name? Well, we're not 100% sure if they've been bought, so maybe... No, they have no, been no, bought. No, no, I'm not talking about art. No, no, I'm no. talking about something else. Yeah, yeah. They've been, yeah, they've been bought quite, quite a few years ago. Let's say their names. Let's go for it. Well, I'm not I mean, talking about something that rhymes with Schmockstone. I'm talking about... Something that rhymes with Smlavlabies. Let's talk about it. Look, I think we should... I think we, I think we, we can. Need to address, like, we said Knight no, Frank, left, right and centre. Yeah. Right, Sotheby's have just been bought. Yeah. Right? They were owned by <clears throat> somebody else. Yeah. Um, and now they've just been bought by Sotheby's... The person who owns Sotheby's Dubai. Yeah. He's just bought the UK... They're a franchise, like yes. Winkworth, but on a global scale. And they're a very, very good brand, as we all know from the auction side of things. Mm-hmm. They have now brought in loads of brokers um, who have been paid, I think, very generously to entice them to come away from their big corporate companies yep. and the big safe name yep. to Sotheby's. Yep. Um, I think it's out there. It's in the industry. Like everyone's talking about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like They're going to have to now come away from the big name mm. to a good name who yep. hasn't been a huge, massive player or someone we compete with. Yep. And they're going to 
now be getting those that that brand off the ground. Yeah, I think it's good for us. Yeah, I think it's good Why? for us as a brokerage. Yeah, I agree. Um, we look. We have um, Daniel has built an incredible brand. I mean, look, his name in itself is a brand. He's worked mm. in the industry for twenty five years, and within three years of setting up the business, you know, DDRE Global is very much seen as a prime and super prime agency. Yeah. You know, average transaction of eighteen point two million. Uh, he was reading an article that um, was saying most influential uh, brands within that section of the market globally. I think Daniel Daggers was 10, yeah. DDRE Global was 11, which in itself is very rare and unique to have the two um, separated and still yeah. being strong in their own rights. Um, we're forever now battling, we're well, not battling, um, we are competing with the biggest corporates. Mm -hmm. And if the people that we're... Um, I don't want to use the word battling, if the people that we're um, working in the same space as have been weakened because their biggest assets have been taken elsewhere, that helps us. Mm. Um, so do you think they call Savills or do you think they call Mr. X or Mrs. X? Mrs. At X. Mrs. X. So say that again, do they so call what? the agent or do you think they call Savills? Um, I th I Let me know. ask you this way. When Mrs. someone X. says, oh, this... When... So, when I'm just using Savills as an example because they're a big corporate company we have really spoken about very much. But if someone sells a property, Savills have sold it. Does the vendor say Savills sold my property or do they say Mr. or Mrs. X at Savills uh, sold my property? I think they'd say both. I think they'd say both. I think times are changing. I think, you know, historically, the reason you have a Knight Frank and a Savills on board is because of the global exposure and the local offices mm. and, the, 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 and the presence that they have. Does that count now? Now, no one walks into an office. Mm. So that the 35 offices in London is irrelevant. Mm. And the global exposure, I mean, doesn't result in much. And I can speak from experience. Yeah. You know, the office I was in for eight years, I can probably count on one hand the amount of global offices that I spoke to. Yeah. We have a platform of 23,000 agents around the world from various different companies yep. mm -hmm. that we can send our properties to, to them yep. Yep. very easily. You yep. know, it's not possible for the China desk of a big global corporate company mm. to send a hundred listings to every no, single day from their whole yeah. London network. And it's it, not possible. No, and also it's, I find, I find it great now when, let's say a client or a potential client says to us, yeah, but Savills have come in and they said they've got 600 offices across the globe, okay? On our platform, we deal with those 600, mm -hmm. but we also deal with Knight Frank's 600 and Sotheby's, to 300 and all the best brokers in that area so now not just you know they're going out they're saying oh, we've got a global office so actually we deal with that this now we've actually got 100 percent. they've got yeah like, let's say savills or the savills have 10 percent market share across the globe let's just yeah. say it's 10 percent. we deal with that 10 percent, but we also deal with the other 90 so we're at, at your previous company yeah um did you when you got a new listing yeah. send it to your global database no. and why and not this, this goes into another point Big thing about me joining a brokerage is I have always wanted to give my clients 100% of my all, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And what, I, what killed me at quite companies that I've worked at before is that I know I go into pitch to somebody, going to sit down with an hour, build up a good rapport, give them loads of great advice, tell them how good we are in the company. And look, it was a great company. The companies I've worked for have been fantastic, like you have Benji and like you have Al. But we all know you're dealing with 100 clients at once. 
And so when we got back to the office, you tell your negotiators in the morning meeting, you tell them about the property, you get them to go and see it quickly, you send it out to your database, you get them to give it a call. You're on to the next two or three pitches of that day. Okay? You don't have enough time. And for me, that killed me inside because these are lovely people who I really fucking wanted to help out. And you know that you can't. I did not have time to speak to the other 33,000 brokers at Berkshire Hathaway or the company I was at before. Because you not click one button that blasts the toad. The, the, the thing the is, like, don't get me wrong, like, you, the no. amount of listings across the we, whole networks, across yeah. Knight Frank, might have 100,000 properties across the globe on the market. Mm. Quite possible. Yep. Or 10 or 50, I don't know, something yeah. like that. If you got 50,000 emails a day, Oh, God. Fuck me. You couldn't do any work. Yeah. Mm. It's impossible. And I think that's the biggest difference, again, between estate agency and brokerage. Now we only deal with like 15, 20 clients at once. Yep. Because we know our capacity. Yep. And we can say no to people as well because we mm -hmm. couldn't deal with it. Yep. yep. But now we have more time. You know, let's say each property, I honestly believe each property, each listing at maybe a corporate agent might get 30 minutes a week. I reckon it's 30 minutes a week proactivity from that agency whereas i think at, at in our in our world we are doing four to five hours a week on each listing whether that be speaking to global agents talking to the marketing guys about how we're spicing things up open houses brokers yeah. videography so much more and so just to just to add on to that going to your question if you had a listing would you send it to those thirty-three thousand? i think it's twofold one is tech and one is um friction Friction meaning um, if I had a listing that was going to sell, mm -hmm. I, I would because I was always commercially minded, but there are people in the corporates that don't want to share even in, and we've touched on it in another podcast, I think, if there's a property in St. John's Wood and an agent from Marlebone within that same company brings a buyer that buys that property, yep. the St. John's Wood office would lose a percentage of the commission because the, the Marlebone office would have to get paid. So they're not incentivized. To so it dilutes what yeah. they're going to take home firstly. That's the first point. Secondly, if they wanted to send it to all of their, you know, the global offices that they, that they so have, they don't have the tech to do that. You have to manually probably call them. You don't, every, everyone's leaving the corporate. So the teams are changing, chopping and changing. Whereas, as I said, with what we've got, the tech that we've got, with the click of a button, we can be enabled to send our properties to all of these global brokers hand selected through ADVSR, which is the tech platform that we've got. Mm -hmm. So it's twofold that they don't have the tech to support them. And I think this is other brokerages as well, not yeah. just agencies, yeah. but also they're not incentivized to do so. When we get a listing here, because we're on a very aggressive commission structure yeah. and we're heavily incentivized to do so, yeah. The first thing we do is we will speak to other agents in the market. That was my next by... question. So like, sorry, I think I cut you off there. Sure. Do you want to carry on? Yeah. So, you know, from day one, as, as we all do, whether it's lettings or sales, mm. we will go to buying agents, local agents, global agents, even if they need a fee position. Yeah. And, you know, perhaps then we're going to come on to the, the, the change from estate agency to brokerage, you know, therefore the fee position probably has to change mm. because, you know, you need to incentivize more people and therefore you need more pie to split and therefore yeah. fees mm. perhaps need to change. So um, would you say that that's got a massive thing to do with the fact that you don't just put properties on Rightmove and Zoopla and wait for the phone to ring? The fact that you call loads of people, get in local agents, offer them a fee, do an open house, spend five hours a week on each of your listings. Yeah. Is it, 
you've got, you've, you've, got you've got to do all like, of, you've you got to. to do all of yeah. the above. And I know from experience, as you said, you could have the team that I was running at any one point, we would be running with listings anywhere between sixty and seventy properties. Mm. That's insane. Between how many people? Two, three. <laughs> so I didn't have I didn't have the time, time. to do more yeah. than put it on right moving Zoopla, call a handful of buyers yeah. that I think could work for it. Yeah. And then something else comes up. That's ridiculous. Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so you don't give them a good service. The so clients. You, you can't. The vendors. No. And the beauty of what we do, and I know we've touched on it on other podcasts, and it's why I think the brokerage model will um, work. And it, it's good for us that there are more people leaving yeah. the agency. But there's so much business to go around. You know, a lot of people, you know, joining Sotheby's isn't a threat to us. Mm. There's so much business to go around. You know, you look in the States, I think in New York, there's something like, yeah. is it like 4,000 brokers or something? Yeah. yeah. But they just get on with it because there's so many deals to do and the same is happening here. So it actually works in our favor. And hopefully with that in mind, with the brokers being commercially minded, knowing you need to incentivize other third parties, I think slowly, slowly the fee position will increase. I also think, um, sorry, Ben, um, what I hate sometimes is you see these big agencies go and say, oh, we're number one in the local area. You know, we've sold X amount more, million pound, you know, X amount more than these guys down the road or X, Y, and Z. Mm. What they don't show is actually their conversion rate. Because the thing is, when you have 60, 70 listings, you are going to sell 15, 20 of those listings at any one point. Mm. Cool. But that's 20, that's 30%. They're playing a numbers game. Yeah. So the more listings they can get, the more inquiries they get, yeah. the more deals they can so get. So 60% then of those clients, I know these aren't facts or anything like that, but... 60% of those clients are then not happy. They haven't sold, mm-hmm. but they can still say they're the market leaders because they've sold 20, like the, the other 30%. Our, I would hands down bet our conversion rate is as twice as much as these big corporate companies because of the time. I don't doubt that. Because that five hours instead of 20, 30 minutes that Benji had. I, th- I agree. I think the other thing as well, the key point as to why, and we've got the stats that prove we sell properties faster mm. than our competitors. Because we're a brokerage. Are you saying this is because we're a brokerage and not an estate agency? Yeah. Okay. I, and, and the reason is, a key part of it is, we truly give 100% exposure to our clients' assets. Yeah. With other companies, namely the corporates and other some small independents, they actually probably think, you know what, I can sell this myself. Mm. I'm going to ring fence the listing. I'm not going to be collaborative with the rest of the marketplace. And I'm not offering a fee out. So yeah. if, if Benji from DDRE Global has a p- potential buyer, I'm sorry, you have to get paid for the buyer or you can't come in. Yeah. All that means is that it's going to take longer to sell the property because mm-hmm. you're letting less people come through the door in the hope that the buyer might see it online, circumvent me and go straight to that appointed agent. Yeah. But that's not in the best interest, interest of, the, of the seller. We 100%. work with all the agents from day one, incentivize everyone to bring their buyers through the door mm. and therefore we bring more people through the door. Yeah. We culminate more interest and therefore our properties sell quicker. What about from a vendor's point of view? You touched upon US, the US model and the brokerage model in mm. the US being very popular. We know about Canada too, mm. Australia, South of France. Yeah. What about, uh, and Dubai of course, as we know, what about in the UK, it's, it's still at its infancy. Yeah. How are vendors taking to this model? I think when you explain it to them, and look, we are, 
we we love what we do and we're very good at then putting our points across like hopefully now someone watching this goes oh my god they're completely right and once we explain it to a client a vendor about what we do and how it could work or a landlord or landlord or anyone they go shit yeah it makes sense it's I, true. I, they I know, actually am upfront with, up with my clients. When I'm on a pitch or evaluation or whatever you want to call it, a market yeah. appraisal, I say, another thing is, I am self-employed. I'm, on no, yeah. I'm not salaried by DDRE whatsoever. I'm not yep. on a payroll. So I am more incentivized to yep. show your property on a Sunday. Yeah. I get X amount yep. if mm. I sell your property, which is a lot of money for me. Yeah. I, I'm totally upfront about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's about educating them. Yeah. And a yeah. bit of a bold statement, I think, I don't think people... Do what we do. Sorry, let me rephrase it. I think what we do is better than anyone else. Yeah. When we sit down and we explain the route to market, mm. what we do behind the scenes, the tech that we've got, mm. I've often been on pitches and people are blown away. Yeah. And they're like, where are the terms of business? You blow them away. <laughs> people are blown away. Yeah, they are. Yeah, and I agree. what we're doing is very powerful and yeah. you can't argue with it. In answer to a Why question, yeah. in, <laughs> in answer to your question, you know, are, is the UK market um, getting ready for it? Are they aware? Yes. You know, hist- the, the big corporates, the, the main ones have been around for 100, 150 years. Yeah. So it's just been ingrained in the London real estate market. Well, that's just what you do. Yeah. We're now saying, well, no, that's 100%. not what you do. This yeah. is how you do it. Yeah. And, you know, this business has been going for three years. The brokerage model, there's been a couple of companies that yeah. have tried it. You know, um, I wouldn't say they haven't been a success, but they're not operating perhaps at the top end of the market. Mm. And, but I think people are starting to be aware. Yeah. And if you know, fast forward two or three years, you know, if this podcast is, is still going, you know, yeah. we'll probably look back at this podcast and think, <laughs> remember when we said, is the UK market ready for it? And yeah, in yeah. three years, it will probably be what you just use, you used an estate agent. Yeah, yeah. Final question. Go on. You ready? What? Yeah. And then we're done. Yeah. Do we not have a few? I thought we had, I know we're, we got Q&A. No, is there a few questions left over? We've been doing Q&A since we started. What are you talking oh, about? Fine. Okay, fine. Last question. Let's, go let's okay. go for it. Right. Fees. Mm. Does something need to happen with fees for the brokerage model to work better? Let's talk about fees. Yeah, I think yeah. it, we are the lowest paid country yeah. as estate agents in the world. Yeah. In terms of fees. Our average yeah. fee in the UK Oh, across the UK, it's, it's hard like one percent. It'd, it'd, it'd be hard to do across the UK because outside of London, like one percent, not point seven five is crazy. Yeah. But they yeah. don't do again. We, that's another podcast. Outside of London, is completely different to London. Let's try and but, do it in five minutes. Okay. We'll try and touch upon so it real a, quick. A quick one for me, and we'll do a proper podcast on this another day because yeah. this is a good one. When you've explained to a vendor, <sighs> a client, a landlord our model and that we need to incentivize everyone to make sure we have 100% maximum market share and the best opportunity to A, sell it and get the best possible price. Mm-hmm. If I told you now that I need an extra one or 2% to incentivize more people, but that might land me getting 5% more on an offer, 2% in, 5% back, risk versus reward. You're yeah. going to say, of course, you give me a grand now and I'll give you free back tomorrow. Yeah, of course I'm going to do it. So, Part of what we do now is educating clients to say, this broker model across the globe, some agents, some advisors and stuff out there will see half a percent that we normally offer, 0.75%, maybe one. And they'll go, what? I'm used to like three or four percent in 
America and X, Y, and Z. Happened today. We spoke about this, didn't we? Yeah. Somebody from Germany. It's from Germany that called me. Were they happy to pay? <sighs> yes. No, what but are what? they happy to pay? What are they happy to pay? 6%? They're happy to pay 6% for 6%. a UK property. Yeah. Because they understand the value in me offering out free, f- free or 4%. Friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at my freeze. Free. Same. It's a London thing. But they understand now, if I go to anyone and say there's 3% on offer, they're hungry for it. Yeah. And I can go to Germany, Dubai, America, Austria, any, any global, you know, any, any advisor across the globe and they're incentivized to offer, uh, to, to find him a buyer. Mm. More incentivized mm. than I would if it's half a percent. Yep. Yeah, I think fees is, um, fees can be a frustrating conversation. Mm. I think... It's, it's like with anything, you know, being an early adopter to change. And what we're going through in the London real estate world, it's a complete paradigm shift. Yeah. Mm. We're on a transitional sort of shift. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. momentous. It's, like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Like we're in the middle of it and often it can be difficult to yeah. take yourself out of it and, and look down. But mm. we're in the middle of it with what's happening with Sotheby's, with what's happening with us, with what other brokerages, people leaving the big firms. Like, it's massive what's happening at the moment. Yeah. And I think with that, there will be people, like probably a lot of our clients, who get it. And, you know, the fee will be 2%. And then there's a half a percent additional if a third party comes along. Yeah. And we've got clients that buy into what we do, that buy into us, and that's okay. There are other people that don't get it just yet and are perhaps ingrained in the old way of selling real estate and it's like well they'll do it for one percent or one and a half percent we're like well yes of course they will that's the sort of people we don't want to work with well, yeah, correct and but you're thinking yes they will do it for one and a half percent but they're not going to offer half a percent to anyone else exactly yeah. so if you've only got access at, to their buyers correct because yeah. if you're good at what you do you're not going to work for one percent i wouldn't work for one percent yeah or my time is more valuable than that your yeah. time is more valuable for that yeah but i think people are starting to realize it in answer to the question, I think what probably needs to change is the fee position needs to increase. Yeah. As you said, we're up there with the lowest in, in the whole of the world in terms of agency fees. Mm. Um, and, you know, the world is changing. It's becoming much more global. We are much more empowered as individuals. Mm. We can get in touch with all the best brokers in America mm. and bring their potential clients to our potential listings in the UK. Mm. They're going to work for 1%. No, they're not. Yeah. They're not going to yeah. work on that. So yeah. it's just we're, it's we're, in the journey, we're yeah. on the journey yeah. and people are getting it. People are not getting it. As you said, we're in a fortunate position that we get to choose yeah. who we work with. We want to work with like-minded people. We don't yeah. want to work with people who have to battle to get an extra fee yeah. to go and offer other agents a commission in their best interests. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we don't want to yeah. be battling with people. But there'll be people that get it. Yeah. And that's the people that there we're is. doing business with. Don't, the biggest stat, just to back this all up, is what? Over the, the, the £10 million plus market, 75% of deals done are via a third party. That's the stat. That's the stat. So a third party has introduced a buyer. Why do you think buyer. that is? Because well, we, I think we spoke about this on previous podcasts. People deal with people. Yeah. They only, we did deal with people. We don't want to deal with 15, 20 this, yeah. agents at once. No, exactly. We one person. And for that reason, we have to incentivize. 100%. Yeah. Well, look, just an example. Today, we were out showing 10 million pound properties yeah. with a gentleman that flew over from Ghana. Yeah. We built a very good rapport with him very quickly. Yeah. Chances are 
he would work with us. Mm -hmm. If there's another property that comes to the market in that neighborhood mm -hmm. and you call that agent to get him in, they would say, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you a fee. Mm. There is no way, I don't think, that agent will be in touch with that buyer. No way, no way. But because they don't want to offer half a percent or their seller hasn't um, powered them uh, to give that fee position away, the seller's going to lose out. 100%. But can estate agents offer halves or yeah, percentages? They, they, they do, but from again, from my experience, it's usually after six to eight weeks yeah. where they've Why? given, because they've they exhausted their, their own position. database. Okay. They've put we it do on the I don't want to go into this, but we do something very clever. I'm not going to go into it. I can't, I, I, we can't I, give away everything. I, I reckon well, there's another podcast here because hey, we're very, there is, I there actually is. think we should have someone we we love, we live and breathe our brokerage. We yeah. live and breathe DDRE. We are DDRE blood through and we know our, our massive selling point. I think we should have someone from the state agency on this podcast. Can I just can rebuttal us? Oof. Can I just if very you're up quickly, for it, let me know, but we will grow. I know we're pushed for time, but just very quickly, one of the big USPs that I think we have mm. not only as a difference from the estate agency model, but in terms of the other brokerages and we've done a lot of research looking at how the US broker models work and they have their own databases so they often will work off um, PowerPoint uh, Excel spreadsheet where all their their sellers are their buyers are there is no cohesive CRM CRM being where you input all the data mm. that's the benefit of the estate agency model because you have the big database and we what, have that what we have is an incredible CRM that allows you to put all your details in of mm. all your sellers of all your buyers mm. we can't see that mm. however the addresses and the names are there, which therefore if I upload a property to the system mm. and your buyers are looking for a 10 million pound house in Holland Park and I upload a 10 million pound house in Holland Park, I can do um, a match on the system yeah. and I can see Oliver Ingalls has seven people that would match the profile of that property. Yeah. I then call you and I say, listen, mate, I don't know who they are, but you've got seven people that could work for this property. Yeah. And I think that tech that we've got that allows us to leverage off the brokerage system within yeah. DDRE Global yeah. is incredibly powerful because all of my contacts are safe and secure that you guys can't see their details. Yeah. But you benefit from the agency model that you can leverage yeah. off each other's yeah. databases. That's and what we have. that is why I think what we've got 100%. is it's better than is anyone the else. winning and that's, formula. That's yeah. what we do, well, like with the marketing. Like we, and that's you, why we're not a brokerage we're, all, we're not an estate agency. We're all we're getting, we're all on each other's listings doing videos. Yeah. We're not, we're not. I get exactly. your following. When you post my listing, yeah. I'm getting your 20,000, your 15, 20,000. Suddenly I've hit 40,000 more people. Yeah. And I've that's why a, we walk together. I've got a new company slogan. We're not an estate agency. We're not a brokerage. We're DDRE Global. Run it past Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See what he but says. I honestly think there's more here. Because get a, I think no there's, way. There's going to be loads of questions and I think we should have a little bit of like a panel at some point. I think we should have a rebuttal from a state agency. That'll be fiery. I think, should, I think we've got good. so much to get through. This, like, the so more, more talk, advice, the more we, more we talk, we open up. The more, more I realise, we're, we're, we're opening up more and more cans like, of what brokerage? I mean, I was, on I, a I was on a massive LinkedIn thing the other day about... Where, who to choose an estate and how do you choose a brokerage that, that's another whole topic because I was speaking to a young guy really love him and he was like I really like I'm going to join that brokerage because they offered me the high percent in commission effectively like I was like stop yeah it's a whole new let's go into the next podcast because that's a brand that is a As I say, whole new we, thing we have I've got like so much to get so through much to talk the through. more we talk the more it comes out, we've got more to talk about. I think the next one might be about fees. I don't know about you guys. We can talk about it I after. Think we should keep going, yeah. yeah. I think that Part brings two. us to the end of this podcast. Part two. Yeah. Maybe Thank you very on. much for listening. Yeah.
Yeah, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to stop. <laughs> Go on. No, man, I'm done. <laughs> All right. I'm done. Thank you very much for listening. If you gained anything, please like, share, comment your questions as well. If you want us to answer anything on the next podcast, we'll pick up the comment and answer it for you. Um, and thank you for listening. We will see you on the next podcast. Thank you. To the jingle. To the jingle. <laughs> <laughs>